And I promised myself I would never ever get complacent in life again, but I will continue to work daily at sharpening my craft. But the ultimate sharpening that will help you in any facet of life is growing in depth and understanding of God. And I'll make it a point to seek Him early because He will set the tone for the day. And as I do my best in trying to sharpen my listening skills in my spirit to Him where He's leading, He never leads us astray. Hey friends, welcome to our special edition podcast called Faith at Work. I'm your host, Jen Kelly, joined by my fellow friend and pastor, Corey Shoemate. We get the joy of bringing you conversations that are all about integrating faith and work and why every job matters. We're interviewing Christ followers from a variety of work backgrounds to help stir our imaginations, to give us new insights and practical ways to think about how we live out our faith at work. Hey friends, Pastor Corey here. Hey, we are joined on the podcast today by someone very special. Many of you will know his name. He is James Brown. He is the current host of the NFL Today on CBS and Inside the NFL on Showtime. He is a three-time Emmy Award-winning network broadcaster and was inducted into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame in 2020. JB has hosted the Super Bowl a record-setting 10 times uh, in 2010, Sports Illustrated named him the best studio host of the decade. Barely beat me out. I'm, I'm still bitter about that one. <laughs> oh, my He is the special correspondent for CBS and contributes to programs like 60 Minutes, CBS This Morning, CBS Evening News, and 48 Hours. He's also a founding partner of MLB's uh, 2019 World Series champion, Washington Nationals. In addition to all of that, JB is a graduate of Harvard University, where he was a three-time All-Ivy selection in basketball and is in the Harvard Basketball Hall of Fame. He's involved in a number of charitable organizations. And if, if that weren't enough, he's also an ordained minister and is actively involved in speaking at churches, conferences, and all around the country. JB, thank you for joining us today. We are so excited to have you on. Pastor Corey, uh, to Pastor Jen, and of course, my good friend, Pastor Larry Stratton. I, I get the biggest cheese-eating grin on my face whenever I see his name <laughs> on email or a text because it was such a wonderful experience, one of the best, and that's no hyperbole. When I got an opportunity to visit at Christ Community Church, um, oh gosh, Pastor Larry, you'll have to tell me how long ago it was, but clearly a wonderful congregation, and again, one of the real highlights in my ministerial career. I can tell you exactly when it was. It was, JB, your speaking at Christ Community was my very first weekend on staff at Christ Community. So really? <laughs> yes, no, I'm not kidding. So February of 2012 is when it was. And ten I'll, years I'll, ago. I'll remember yeah. that. Yeah, 10 years ago, uh, almost almost 11, which is crazy. I walked in and I was like, man, Pastor Jim looks a lot different in person uh, than, than I thought. <laughs> hey, well, look, you try, try living life with the name James Brown and yes. tell me what that challenge <laughs> yes. might be like, especially when it was, I grew up in the heyday of uh, James Brown, the godfather of soul, Jim Brown, the uh, Hall of Fame football player. And here I was trying to cut through all of that in terms of what I've been doing in the world of uh, sports broadcasting, but it's all good. That's awesome. So you already heard his voice on on uh, our podcast here. We're joined by another guest, our very own Larry Stratton, who's on staff here at Christ Community as the generosity pastor. Yeah. We were looking for a reason to bring him on just because he has the, simply the best radio voice ever. So he's joining <laughs> he us really today. Does. He's got a good relationship with JB. So uh, Larry, thanks for being with us oh, as well. Oh, it's so great to be here. And JB, I would agree with you. That was a highlight for us, uh, you know, almost 11 years ago when you were here. And uh, you came back to visit us uh, af- after that. And you've just been a real friend 
friend of Christ Community Church. And uh, we know you didn't have much going on this week, so we thought this might be a good week to, to have you on the podcast. But thank you for taking uh, your valuable time in the middle of the NFL playoffs and all that you've got going on to spend it with us. We're, we're honored by that. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. And as I mentioned to you, Pastor Corey and Pastor Jen, um, this this is kingdom building business, and we're to be prepared uh, on call uh, to speak to that because that is the priority in life. You talk about how busy it is. I'm trying to get to this book that my niece, Ashley, a beautiful sister in Christ, UVA grad, French major, honors. She's living over in Paris now, got her master's degree. She was my assistant for two years. And she sent me a book that is most appropriate that I've got to dig into by John Mark Comer. Yes. You may know it is entitled The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Boy, this speaks directly to me. I can't wait to dive into it. More importantly, to apply it, though, Pastor Larry. Yeah, yeah. It's a great book. It's a great it, book. We've been reading it around. I, here I was in a hurry. I, I skimmed it. it was, I was in a rush, but yeah. it seemed good for my. <laughs> we'll talk about All that right, later. JB. Listening to Pastor Jen and Pastor Corey talk uh, previously on one of the podcasts, these guys are not only quick with it, they're deep. Well read, so uh, I'm going to learn a lot today from them. <laughs> oh, that is very, very kind. I, I know I'm probably more of the well-read one than my fellow co-host, Corey, <laughs> but I'm just going to mm -hmm. throw that out mm -hmm. there a little bit. All yeah. right, so what we like to do for our first round before we get into the weeds of the questions is we want to go around and do a little bit of an icebreaker question. So, mm -hmm. inquiring minds want to know, who's your favorite athlete and why to put you on the spot? And please don't take this as one of these um, uh, answers where I'm trying to escape responsibility. Pastor Jen, it really is the next athlete that I meet throughout my entire career. My focus has always been on those athletes who represent the Lord well, mm -hmm. who model what we're trying to teach because athletes are so critically important in terms of the role that they serve being influencers in life, and especially with young people. I know Charles Barkley and I, the great ex-NBA player, uh, and I understood what he meant when someone was asking him uh, why athletes should be considered good role models, and he said, absolutely not. It's the parents. We know that those are great answers that should be the case, but in fact, Athletes have a significant influence on people, young people especially, and I tell them it comes with the territory, whether they want it or not. I just pray that they will come to the realization sooner than later what they do, how they model, what they speak, the book of James chapter 3, you know, clean, good language, encouraging, loving language really goes a lot further than what they'll even do on the playing field. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's really good. All right, Corey. I, I do think he avoided the answer, though. Yes, he did, he did avoid <laughs> it. That was a, that was a great <laughs> sidestep. Well, well, but I'm it, kidding, it's really JB. Yeah, no, you know what? And let, let me just mention. I'll just throw out a name, and I'm not saying that this person is my favorite athlete, a wonderful brother in Christ, Kirk Cousins, the uh, quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, mm. who certainly, even in his professional career, has been on the receiving end of a lot of criticism because sports fans. That's short for a fanatic, as we know, and they are that way in terms of being so harsh and critical in their judgments as if they've been out there on the field. What was the poem by, um, was it Theodore Roosevelt? 
uh, that said the uh, in the arena, the athlete in the arena. I mean, Kirk Cousins is there, but he is a wonderful brother in Christ. And there are a number of those as well, too. Ben Watson, who played with the New England Patriots. Uh, folks who walk the talk, those are the ones. So there's a group of them. I've been blessed to speak at a number of chapel services for NFL teams. On Saturday nights, we do it via Zoom. And, and I've met some people that I had no idea. Eli Manning, when he was with the New York Giants, when I went to speak at their chapel service and deliver a 20-minute message, he was sitting on the front row, Bible open, mm -hmm. anticipating a good message to be digested, if you will, spiritually. Mm -hmm. So there are a number, and I would be hard-pressed to come with with, uh, with just one. Wow, mm -hmm. that's good. That's good. <clears throat> All right, gentlemen, what about Corey, Larry? Mm, favorite athlete? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, um, so I grew up in Oregon, West Coast kid and um, a baseball player. And Oregon did, does not have a professional baseball team. So <laughs> so Seattle Mariners were the closest to us. Yeah. Uh, so each, this is Ichiro Suzuki days, if you remember Ichiro. Um, he was uh, an amazing, amazing athlete. Played for the Mariners for 12 years on the front end. I think he, he took a break, played for the Yankees and the Mariners, and then came back and finished with Seattle for a couple of years. But this is a guy who grew up in Japan, started out as a pitcher, and uh, started out as a right-handed batter. And uh, just through sheer discipline became a left-handed batter so that he could be a step and a half closer to first base. And uh, Lord knows he used that step and a half well. He was wicked fast and uh, just a tremendous athlete. So Ichiro's my guy. Yeah. Jen, how about That's you? That's good. Mine... Mine has actually recently changed. We just had Jessica Long visit us um, at Christ Community Church and do an interview for Inspiring Stories. Um, Para-Olympic swimmer, double amputee, adopted, faithful sister in Christ. Her testimony and her perseverance and, and her vulnerability in sharing her story floored me in December when I heard that. So I, she's, she's my favorite athlete. Yeah, that's good. I, I'm going to go new school. Uh, I'm going to go Justin Fields. Uh, I'm, you know, JB, you know, I'm a huge Buckeye fan. And so I, I loved uh, Justin when he was at Ohio State. And the day that he got drafted by the Bears, you know, when they dropped down to 11 to get him and he dropped down from the early picks to 11 to get gotten, uh, was, uh, we were so happy. Uh, and he's gone through a lot of stuff. But uh, the fact that he is a uh, he is one of the hardest workers. He is a great leader. He's already in a short period of time kind of won over the locker room there for the Bears. And uh, as as you guys know, I mean the Bears are positioned. Given that they were that bad, they're positioned with a really great quarterback, the number one pick, and uh, they just got a new president. In fact, he was introduced yesterday. JB, I think you do you know Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren is an awesome brother in Christ. Um, his faith is not that which is compartmentalized in how he lives his life. Hmm. Um, you will be very pleased with him. Prayerfully, he will have success as the other uh, president of the organization. He clearly um, is somebody who knows his job well. Um, he was de facto the president with the Minnesota Vikings before going to the, become the Big Ten commissioner, but an awesome man. And by the way, so let me give Jen a little credit because she did prod me, kind of embarrass me since the both of you had favorite athletes. If I were pressed to pick one, he is in heaven now. It would be Reggie White, the former great mm. Hall of Fame football player oh, yeah. who 
walked his faith wonderfully, even in the rough and tumble world of football, as strong as he was. And the vernacular uh, is he would pancake guys on defense. He would grab and not grab. That's a, that's a penalty. <laughs> but he would grab a hold of the um, offensive lineman pancake him flat on the ground, just awesome move, but he would reach down and pick him up and he would say, Jesus loves you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. Hey, while we're on football here real quick, uh, again, this, this is probably going to air closer to the Super Bowl, but you know, you Mm. guys, you guys are broadcasting, I think this Sunday, the, the bills and the Bengals, a huge game coming up. Um, any any thoughts you have, JB, as you look at the the landscape right now of who who's left in the playoffs, of uh, any Super Bowl predictions? Um, you know what? In all of my career, I did stay out, even though I know the sport world well, having played basketball, you know, at the collegiate level, drafted in the NBA, didn't get a chance to realize my dream. But and that's there's a real story there as it relates to faith. Um, I never, ever pick. I will try to dissect, but I don't step on the toes of those who I say come from the fraternity of Mm. players. They've forgotten more about their sport, uh, even as Pastor Jen was talking about Jessica. They've forgotten more about their sport than I'll ever know. However, what's abundantly clear, if I were to put a news headline on them, most folks you would think are pulling for the Buffalo Bills because of the critical situation that they just went through with uh, DeMar Hamlin having suffered that cardiac arrest on the football field and, in fact, was expired for that period of time. So there are a lot of people pulling for them. I think last week, the atypical performance by Buffalo was a result of them being emotionally and spiritually drained, Mm. having gone through that process. So we'll see if they're back on track. The best remaining team, certainly on the NFC side of the house, I would say are the San Francisco 49ers. They are amazing. And that quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, is anything but (laughs) irrelevant right now in Brock Purdy, so called for the uh, novices out there because he was the last player drafted in the NFL draft. Boy, he comes in with poise and maturity that is well beyond his years, hasn't missed a beat, and he's got those grizzled, tough players following his lead because in the vernacular, again, he's the real deal. Um, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles certainly were making a lot of noise prior to that. Uh, but we'll see how he plays coming off of that shoulder injury. But I would think between Buffalo and Cincinnati and also between the uh, 49ers, you know, many people, out there, I'm sure, out there in the uh, radio podcast land think, well, wait a minute, what about the Dallas Cowboys? Let's see them do it. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. You heard it from okay. JB himself. Send those hey, emails listen. to James Brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, JB, you touched a little bit about your own story, and that's where we're going to start first with our time with you. Uh, you wrote a book called Roll of a Lifetime, and it is poignant and it is brilliant in its storytelling. Um, you're so transparent, not only about your successes, but your failures, uh, how at the age of 22 years old, even though you had been a Harvard graduate, you found yourself walled up, you wrote, back in your home after being let go by the Hawks. Your dream of basketball 
over. But it's interesting because in retrospect, you wrote, these are your words that you wrote. I now know that God was still there, even in my discouragement, whether I was aware of his presence or not, he is there in our good times and bad. I now know. You repeated the I now know twice, which I thought was so interesting. Why did you decide to include those words in that particular part of your story? What what was it about the realization that even if you knew it or not, then God was there and it was important to put down for your readers? And because I know I'm dealing with some very bright um, co-hosts here, please press me to make certain that I'm giving the essence of what you're looking for. I'll do my best to synopsize and say, I did not know God at that time that I was trying to realize my dream of playing professional basketball. I knew of him. I did not know him. I thought, and hopefully this is a very real lesson for many, I thought that it was on me. And we know in the faith, it's not on me. Everything that we are and have been blessed with is through the grace of God and that we're all given gifts. But I thought it was on me to go out there and do it. However, lost in that equation was you don't make up in the world of work, uh, what you haven't been doing for a number of years prior to. It is a successive process of building on faith, building on the skill set that you have. In the world of professional sports, we ask the question, why are the athletes out there practicing the fundamentals that they already know? It's a matter of internalizing those fundamentals and you build on them, sharpen them, crystallize them. I didn't do that in college. I really, I, I didn't, I never thought that I would get complacent uh, in working towards my goal, thinking that I was working hard, but I was working amiss and on the wrong things. As I became saved, um, accepted Jesus Christ in my life, years later when I stopped to take a good look at what happened back then, it was all on me. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. Biblical truth and understanding, understanding God's wisdom is critical in the game of life in terms of what you're going to accomplish. And I lost sight of it. I didn't know that, so I was ignorant. And we know good and well that we are we're we're challenged in life if if we're not aware of who God is, what he is, and what he can help us to do and to focus on that. And I promised myself I would never ever get complacent in life again, but I will continue to work daily at sharpening my craft. But the ultimate sharpening that will help you in any facet of life is growing in depth and understanding of God. And I'll make it a point to seek him early because he will set the tone for the day. And as I do my best in trying to sharpen my listening skills in my spirit to him where he's leading, he never leads us astray. That's good. We are, we've talked about so many different topics here on the Faith at Work podcast, but one of the ones that we haven't touched yet, which is why I loved your story in this, is what happens when we run into dead end, when we, when we hit a wall, when we feel like our, our dreams are done, when there's nothing in front of us. What would you say to our listeners right now who feel like their vocational dreams have been shattered? Part of that answer will probably be uh, in 
incorporated here with me being even more succinct to your first question. When I got cut by the Atlanta Hawks, Pete Maravich, a great basketball name from way in the past, we became very good friends. I was most thrilled later in life to find out that he had found Christ uh, and, and pursued and followed Christ before he transitioned. That was my biggest excitement. People wanted me to say, JB, the guy that they kept in place of you, how could they do that? Why don't you chastise and berate the Hawks for making a wrong choice? Cute little example that I learned from my bishop a long time ago. If you point a finger of blame at somebody, they're three pointing right back at you. Why be concerned about the speck, um, you know, that's in uh, your, your brother's eye and you've got a plank in your own eye. So clarity of understanding as it relates to God. In terms of dead ends, you can learn a lot of lessons when you run into quote unquote so-called dead ends. The best example still is the biblical example that is the foundation for all other lessons that can be learned at dead ends. God is an overcomer of dead ends. When the Israelites were escaping um, uh, Egypt and heading and Pharaoh finally realized sadly so. Wow, I let that workforce go. Let's go back and recapture them. Despite all of what God did in the way of the plagues that they um, that they had to endure, they were going back. The Israelites were at the Red Sea, a dead end. On either side, there were mountains. Where are we going to go? Coming from behind are the Egyptians trying to recapture us, Pharaoh's army. And of course, we know the story about how those who are following, why did you bring us out here to die? We should have stayed back there. And I'm loving Moses' response, the enemies you see today, you will never see again. Be quiet and watch the Lord work as he opens up the Red Sea. They cross over on dry land and a miracle that is for you is for you only. When the Egyptians, the Roman army, when they came to try to um, recapture them, the seas came in on them. That miracle was for the Israelites, not for anyone else. Well, you know what? What a great story for the game of life. Um, I remember hearing clearly from a very good friend of mine, Pastor Dale O'Shields, who mentioned the importance of stewarding your wilderness period well, because many people don't steward even their prosperity well, because they tend to forget God. So that's why dead ends are such that just turn to the word of God, seek him, and you will find him, and he will. He's faithful to answer you and show you you're not at a dead end. What is the next? However, for me, I know what's applicable in my life as I wait to see what's the next that the Lord has for me. If he hasn't given me any new directions yet, then continue in the same direction because God is the best an ultimate God and guide. I love it. What is it? Psalm 32 and eight, where it says, and this is God speaking, I will teach you and instruct you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my own eye. Whose eye is better than he who sees the end mm. from the beginning? Mm. Praise God. I'm sorry, Pastor <laughs> Stratton. I'm probably beginning to preach here, but I get preach. excited about that. We're Thank you, Pastor. It, man. We're loving it. Corey's we running around preach. the studio here. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great stuff. Well, we're we're pretty happy that you ran into that dead end because it uh, it has meant a lot to millions of people to be blessed by you in the career that you have. But it's interesting, and I've I've heard you tell this story before. Uh, you started out uh, in the broadcasting area, and one of the things that you had earlier in your your career is in an area that we wouldn't associate you with uh, as far as sports <laughs> broadcast. Tell us that story, and then give us a little a brief litany of h- how you. Kind Kind of went from there to what you're doing now. Um, so I'm working at Fox Sports. Uh, I went over there to co-host their football show with Terry Bradshaw, and the company was in a posture of trying to add more sports inventory. <clears throat> Our big boss was trying to decide between NASCAR and hockey. He went and got hockey. <clears throat> he did his homework and research, and they were trying to the NHL, National Hockey League bring more, uh, a more diverse audience to, to its sport. And so the boss says, JB, I want you to um, host a hockey show. I said, excuse me? <laughs> he said, yeah, I want you to host a hockey show. I said, the only thing I have in common with the sport is the color of the puck. Why do you want me to host that? So, but I did all of my homework. I studied. I was introduced to the national press uh, of folks who followed hockey. And I shared that story with them because they were asking me questions. JB, what's um what's icing? So I explained what icing is. JB, do you know what a two-line pass is? I explained that. JB, do you know how they substitute in hockey? I says, yes, they're line shifts. I said, fellows, why don't we just stop and take the veneer off of your questions? You want to know what I know about hockey? True, it was not big in my neighborhood, but I promise you, I'll be the best ambassador for the sport, and they were wonderful, and I loved it. Pastor Larry, I knew that I had done a credible job studying assiduously to make certain I understood the basics. Part of also preparing for something is knowing what you can't do, and I knew I was not going to be a hockey play-by-play. That is a lightning-fast sport, and you have to know it well and and deliver it quickly. So I'm saying, okay, a studio host is safe. I go through the whole season. We get to the Stanley Cup final in New Jersey, and I felt comfortable that there was a seal of approval when they were at our studio desk in the stands. And there were about 10 little Caucasian kids who came up and they had a big sign over their head saying, James Brown, Godfather of Gold. I have <laughs> yes. that, I, I have that sign in my office, and it is just awesome. So That's praise fantastic. God. I knew that I'd done well. Yeah. That's great. So you you kind of give us a, a brief kind of going from there to there to there to there. Kind of just walk us through that. So, you know what? I guess the interesting thing is I, I was open to anything uh, before pastors Corey and Jen were born, Pastor Larry. There was a commercial on TV about a cereal and it was a family. They didn't want to try anything new. If their parents gave them a new box of cereal, they said, give it to Mikey. He'll try it. Well, I had that attitude. I wanted to try and do anything because as one of my bosses was telling me, if you want to make a career in this industry, you need to be well-rounded, great sideline reporter, studio anchor, uh, play-by-play. You needed to be able to do it all. So I did do it all. I did the Pan American Games, went over to Cuba to do a story on the on the baseball um, um, excellence that was inherent there, indigenous uh, to, that, to that island there. 
Um, I did rock climbing. Not me. I'm too heavy to climb the rocks. <laughs> I would break the rocks, but I covered rock climbing. I wanted to do all that. Did aerial skiing. Um, once I did something with, um, oh gosh, um, gymnastics with Mary Lou Retton. Now, again, this is delicate. It's true. And I'm always going to make certain that I'm doing things properly because I represent the Lord. But this is a true story. Thank God it was a recorded show. We're doing gymnastics. I didn't do all of my homework and I'm looking at the floor exercises and the men they're doing, you know, the parallel bars they're doing all of, but the men weren't doing the balance beam. Only the women were doing the balance beam. And I asked Mary Lou Redden, I said, Mary Lou, why aren't the men doing the balance beam? And she just looked at me because she was knowing that we were live to tape. She just kind of stared at me giving me the five to 10 seconds to figure out that if a man fell on a balance beam, the pain would be much greater for the man than a woman. And I said, oh, okay, I got it, you know, and we moved on. So those are some of the fun experiences that I had learning a sport because I was always told to be inquisitive. That was one time I should have thought about it before I asked the question. But it's been great uh, to all three of you pastors covering the world of sports and experiencing new things because it makes me feel better whenever I'm given an assignment. If you understand the elements of what good reporting are, then you can report on anything, entertainment, politics, uh, sports, or whatever. And quite frankly, it's the same thing in the game of life with respect to our faith. If we take the time to assiduously study the Bible each and every day, and I know there's a Bible study call that Coach Tony Dungy leads with us a Zoom. We've been doing it for 13 years. I'm a co-lead on that. And people who are new to the faith will say, well, we've already gone through the Bible. What else is there to do? There is something called progressive revelation. When you read that word, it will come back to you like, wow, I didn't see that before mm -hmm. because the Holy Spirit is taking us into deeper places, which we know is his responsibility to lead us and guide us into all understanding, including the deep things of the word. And that's the beauty. So that kind of inquisitive attitude has served well. All truth is parallel. What's true in the natural is true in the supernatural. And it certainly works in terms of making us better suited for the challenges or the opportunities that come our way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's so good. Absolutely. That's good, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, JB, you mentioned uh, Tony Dungy. I know that you've had uh, a lot of mentors in your life that have shaped both your faith and your work. And, you know, we're on a faith and work podcast. So can you just list um, a couple, like one or two mentors in your life and uh, describe sort of the impact that they had on your faith or your work? Uh, it starts with my parents first and foremost. I love to say they were high school graduates, but they had PhDs in drive and determination. We weren't a family of faith early on, but the Lord had obviously planted seeds. Some others had watered. God gave the increase as in later in life, we grew to be a family of faith. My father passed away at the age, tender age of 46, but my sister made me aware that in the hospital, he had a deathbed conversion. That makes me feel just wonderful because as we all grow in an understanding of the faith, when people say, well, when you die, there's nothing left, there's nothing more after that, when we know the word, the Bible, which is the truth, 
says it is appointed unto man, woman, once to die, and the second is the judgment. Our spirits and souls are going to live on in eternity. And when you find out about the depth and understanding of that, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Death is defined in the Bible as separation from God eternally. So, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful to have had some parents who let me. So mom and dad were the ones. My mother was absolutely awesome. She wanted to be and was an excellent homemaker, raising the five of us. And we followed her around like little chicks wherever she went till we came to a great word teaching church when it was all about the word. In the world of, of work and sports, my high school coach, Morgan Wooten, I went to a Catholic high school. He was an awesome man. Never ever use profanity in trying to so-called inspire people. He was always encouraging. The basketball court was an extension of his classroom. And the way he lived his life as a high school coach who became the first high school basketball coach to go into the basketball hall of fame only for what he did at the high school level because he won more championships, won more games than anybody in the country. And he was a man of faith. And he kept, for us in high school, he said, here are your four priorities in order to play for me. God first, family second, school third, then your sport. I was blessed for 60 Minute Sports to go back and do a story on him. And I said, coach, why, an obvious one, why was God being first so important in terms of who was going to play for you? He said, because I knew if they believed God and embraced God, I had a champion in the game of life. And it certainly bore itself out. Mm -hmm. And there have been many others, but Tony Dungy has been an awesome man of God who stands on his faith and he did that with Tampa because, and I'll close with him. So uh, when we, many people in the sports world thought that he should have been a coach many years ago. He was, I mean, doing exceedingly well as an assistant coach, as a coordinator, the whole nine yards. He thought he was going to have his first professional football job years before it happened when everybody was impressed with him. But the owner was the last person to talk with and wanted to sit down with him. He says, I understand that you don't believe in cursing. And I understand that you don't believe in getting up in your players' faces to encourage encourage them when times are rough. Why not? And he says, because I think mutual respect goes much further than berating someone. It just is not inspiring. And the owner said, I appreciate your honesty. You will never do well in this business. And he didn't get the job. He goes back to Minnesota. The chaplain of the team said, you're going to get the job. Let's prepare. Let's study the book of Nehemiah and learn what leadership principles are all about. And indeed, it did work. He takes over in Tampa, a team that was a, a perennially abysmal, yep. and turned them around to where they were in the postseason. Ownership wanted to get to the Super Bowl quicker. They fired him. A challenge. But he said, God, I thought this was the job you had for me. What happened? You know, I can't understand it, but I know you know the way, so I'm going to wait to see what the next step is. A day later, he gets a call from the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, left a message back in the time when they were answering machines on the phone. He said, this is such and such. Here's the job. I want you. Don't have your agent call me. We don't need to negotiate. Money's not an issue. 
No, this isn't an interview. I'm offering the job. Do you want the job? And the rest is history. And even when he talked to his players at both places, the first day he said, I just want to let you know, I'm a Christian coach. I don't believe in cursing and berating, but if that's the style that you need, because you think that works best for you, raise your hand and I'll do my best to get you to that team. Nobody raised their hand. And of course, the rest is history. He's in the, in the football <laughs> hall of fame. Mm-hmm. All right. So as as much as scripture has influenced uh, your life and your your friendships and mentors, that's where we kind of want to go next. I think a lot of our listeners are really familiar with First Corinthians nine twenty seven. I, I disciplined my body like an athlete, uh, training it to do what it should do. Or the famous one, let us run with perseverance, the race marked before us. But Paul has this other verse in Second Timothy two five that honestly is probably a little bit more unfamiliar and unquotable because it says an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. This verse doesn't get all the hype as the others. Talk to us a little bit, not only about perseverance, but obedience alongside of that. You see gameplay more so than the average regular person. You watch athletes, you watch the sports world. You've seen when people cheat the system or cut corners or or flat out devise plans for their opponents to fail. How do you continue to cultivate character in your your world. John 8, 32, we must know the truth and it is the truth that will set you free. We talk, I talked about all truth being parallel, what's true in the natural is true in the spiritual as well too. There are rules. Many people like to think they can devise their own rules. Please, there are so many autobiographies of all types. The best is still the Bible. There are, they throw penalty flags in the game of football. If you step across the line, if you don't do things properly, there are referees that guide you along the way. You must play by the rules. The rules in the game of life are the most comprehensive and the ones that assure success and eternal living with God. Bottom line, people like to think I can promote myself, Psalm 75, 6 and 7. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west nor the south. God is the judge. Mm-hmm. He'll put down one and set up another to the degree that you understand what the principles are associated with winning and being successful at the highest level. That would determine, determine the ultimate success in the game of life. Mm, that's good. Yeah, God doesn't give us rules to confine us, but to set us free. I love that. Uh, JB, a lot has happened over the last few years that sort of shook our world and shook the sports world. It's just been a really tumultuous time. Uh, We've had COVID, which really threw a wrinkle into uh, all things sports. Uh, The summer of 2020, uh, George Floyd and a lot of unrest around racial divisions. Uh, There was a debate about kneeling during the national anthem that caused a, a, a stir. And you live at a really significant, unique intersection. You are uh, a TV football host. You are a black man. You are a Christian. And it's your job to talk. <laughs> and, and so I'm thinking you are put in a position where uh, you have an opportunity to comment on on these things and to navigate these waters, but they are notoriously tricky things to t- talk about. So how have you navigated the last couple of years being a public voice uh, and to do that with wisdom? It does not come without challenges. 
And Pastor Corey, what I've attempted to do is to focus on the goodness of the word of God. Uh, I believe in what the word says that God has given everybody gifts. There are some who are gifted to speak to certain audiences one way. Hmm. There are others who are gifted to speak to an audience another way. I choose to focus on what the principle, the, the definition of God, God is love. Hmm. The two greatest commandments given, love God the Father with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. I know, again, in the rough and tumble world of football, many people don't embrace that. They'll think it's too soft, too Pollyannish, but it's the truth. And if they were to take the time to go through the word of God, they will see that, see that whether or not they want to believe it or not. Heavens, I go back to Deuteronomy 30 and 19. God says, I place before, I call heaven and earth to record or record against you this day that I place before you life and death blessings and cursings. And then he gives us the answer to it. He says, choose life. Many people like to think that God, you know, has created us as automatons or robots. No, that's not the definition of love. Love is a choice. So I choose to focus that way, even in the commentaries that I've been blessed to give when the bosses have asked me to speak to a matter that's on my heart, even on the highest platform for us, the mm -hmm. Super Bowl, mm -hmm. when even during the times of the pregame show where we do that, there's still tens of millions of people watching. But that, that's where I come from. Those are the parameters within which I operate when I deliver a message. And even if I talk in business terms, you cannot expect what you don't inspect. Mm. Look at your lives. Look at the country. If we see it heading in the wrong direction, we've got some smart people out here. Why is it that you're refusing to embrace what and who the truth is? And I always close my commentaries with the answer is love. Mm. They may not want to hear it, but I've been consistent with that, mm. talking about the most challenging issues in the world. Mm -hmm. mm. Speaking of challenging issues in the world, I, I know you were probably watching as well as I was watching when the tragic events that transpired when Damar Hamlin collapsed on the field. I mean, America was watching. Uh, for those who haven't heard, can you give a summary of kind of what happened and what was your response? A routine play on the football field, which is a tough sport, again, as I've said repeatedly. And DeMar Hamlin is going to tackle the offensive player who has the ball so as to stop him from advancing. That routine tackle was such in the, you know, the medical community, they can explain it better than me. But the bottom line was a routine tackle where he was hit in his chest in terms of tackling the player apparently came at that very right and I use right, not lovingly and embracingly moment in between heartbeats, he suffers a cardiac arrest on the field. And mm. I'll just allude to it by saying this. When you saw all the people surrounding him, it was not a pretty sight. I'll leave it at that. But it shook all of these big old grizzled players out there and they were hurt to the core. The right thing was done. Thank God that medical team was there quickly to restore his heartbeat, get him to the hospital. But Pastor Jen, how awesome. We've seen it in crucial times, whether it was 9-11 or where all of the sporting world was watching. It was the power of prayer. This young man back from what was sure death to now he's healthy and to go in terms of recovery, but Josh Allen, the quarterback of that team, said it best when he was tearful at the press conference, saying, in essence, I forgot for a period of time about the power of prayer, and that was a turning moment for him. Mm. 
Yeah, so it was crazy because over the 24 to 48 hours, we witnessed so many people lifting up Damar in prayer. The ESP analysis, you spoke of a couple different people who took a bold and public face stance in how they believe in prayer. What is it about not just football, but sports and faith that seems to permeate our culture in a unique way? Because since I can remember from a time that there were com- that there was competition, gladiator, gladiator times, whatever, we tend to lift up and 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 uh, was to word idolize uh, sports figures, if you will. Which is why I w- was telling my good friend Charles Barkley, no, it is a responsibility to carry yourself in such a fashion as to be encouraging. You know what? I will hear people give wonderful arguments why they think that sport. I'm sorry, that faith. And, and, and public displays of it need to be separate and distinct. In times of crises, everybody turns to faith. There is an intuitive understanding that there is a God, the God. God in the Bible says, there is no excuse. My handiwork is all around you. Look at the trees, the stars, the waters. All of these things right in front of you, they just didn't happen. People talk about it was the Big Bang Theory. Well, my counter to that is one that I heard Dr. Ben Carson use. He says, you can take a powerful storm that can run through, sweep through a a junkyard. I don't care how many times it sweeps through that junkyard, you will not come up with an end product that is a living, breathing human being who is so complex, he or she cannot be recreated. There is the great prime mover. God is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. JB, uh, you've talked already <clears throat> a lot about this, and, and I think it's it's come through your answers, but uh, understanding how to bring faith to the workplace, you know, a lot of our listeners are are continue to grapple with that. Like, how do I integrate those two things? And you obviously have a lot of history and unique experience. You're on TV, you know, all the time. Um, how do you share this approach? And again, we've heard a little bit of that already. Anything else you would share with us is how you integrate your faith and your work? Um, I don't know who it is appropriately attributed to, but the expression that um, preach the faith wherever you go and speak when necessary. I think we model it. I've talked with a very good friend of mine, and we've talked about the world of work and whether or not we are to proselytize in our places of work. And the one gentleman said he believes that we are to do that. And I think I understand what he's saying. My attitude was, and my take on this, is my bosses did not hire me to proselytize. They did not hire me to speak my faith, but that is who they're getting. I model my faith. I don't go around trying to beat people over the head with the Bible. Um, Again, I try to model it. Uh, I'm reminded, and and one of the uh, seminal scriptures for me, I I don't know if I've already said it, Colossians 3.23, do all that you do heartily. I love to say um, excellently to the Lord and not into man, because my belief is, and it's proven, that if you are doing this to the Lord, my bosses can't help but be pleased because I'm going to do it excellently. That's a natural outgrowth of it. That's the fruit of that, if you will. Uh, But the root is doing it to the Lord. 
I, I remember early on as I was growing in my faith, you know, you're in some locker rooms and you might hear a lot of profanity uh, going on. But again, as you study the word, fellas, what is it? Is it in, is it in James chapter three? Um, it's in the book of James where he makes the point, you know, fresh water and, 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 and sour water, if you will, cannot come from the same stream. Mm -hmm. You know, it just is about, so with respect to your mouth, out of the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brother, that ought not be. That's a double-minded person. And before when folks were cursing around me, you know, I just kind of sat there because I was in that environment. However, observing people saw me kind of, you know, squeamish, uh, squeamish and, you know, squirming when I would hear that, or they would listen to the words. I tend to use words not for show or form. It's who I am now after studying the word. I would use words like blessed. This person was really blessed that day. Or on TV, when I'm throwing it back to my um, uh, announcer uh, 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 co-workers who are at the game site, and I will say, hey, hey have a great game today. Go knock them alive. <laughs> because we, you know, we, our words are important. Many people say, go knock, whatever the, whatever the worldly expression, I've even forgotten that, yeah. forgotten it, you know, um, or I love you to death. No, love me to life mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. <laughs> so people take note of that. It may not be evident right then, but as they stop to think about it or it comes back to their remembrance, there's got to be a reason for that. And then when, if, or when they ask me, mm -hmm. JB, tell me more about who you are and why you are this way. What's the deal? Now they've asked me. Yeah. yeah. So I've been given permission to share where my inspiration comes. Just like somebody who wants to recommend a good book to you. Mm. I've got a good book to recommend to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So you put these little hooks hooks out in the water uh, by acting differently, speaking differently. And then 1 Peter 3.15 comes to mind, right? Always be prepared to give reason for the hope that's within you when people ask uh, and to do that with with grace. And so I, I see you living that out uh, tr truly. And Pastor Corey, I'm going to come and take some lessons from you because Pastor Larry, he is, as I listen to the recordings of the podcast, he's excellent at chiseling it down, crystallizing it in bite-sized morsels <laughs> that you can remember as opposed to maybe the Baptist influence preacher, JP. <laughs> uh, that's what, no, we love it. We love, it. love it. Hey, so we're, we're uh, getting ready to wrap up our time together. It's been so good. Um, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are, are maybe curious. You have this illustrious uh, career behind you in the rearview mirror, and yet you're active, you're doing this. But but as you look at the the next season of your life, uh, we've got a lot of folks uh, who are tuning into the podcast, who are part of our church, who are in that like uh, ending their career, post-career state. And that's been a big part of their identity. And and so uh, they may be wondering, well, how do I integrate my faith and my work if I'm not may maybe getting paid? I'm doing work or act active in some way that I'm not getting paid for. Uh, I pray, uh, brother, that God would give you a long, uh, many more years uh, on this earth. But as you look forward to the years ahead in your life, how how do you anticipate using and continuing to use the gifts that God has given you? It is my fervent prayer that the Lord will continue to use me because Pastor Corey, Pastor Larry, I really feel that there's so much more to give because I'm just like in the world of sports um, and what I've been doing for all these years, there's an awful lot of equity there that has been built up because of the amount of time around it. Well, I want to see that pay dividends. I continue to along the way in the form of what I'm doing currently to make certain that I'm bearing fruit. But I would love and am excited to see what the Lord 
does for me next because I know there is a next and I'm asking him to clarify mm. what that next is. Mm. In my own mind, it may be thinking, hey, can eyes on the equity equity of what I have been doing, but maybe something even more embracing. My fervent prayer daily has been, uh, Lord, please use me because I want to contribute mightily hmm. to the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. Hmm. I believe that anyone asking the Lord in that fashion, he will and does have a plan for us. Hmm. Let's maximize what we're doing now, mm -hmm. but I'd like mm -hmm. to continue to do that to be a mighty contributor to the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. And all we have but to do is look around us the, the state of affairs in a number of places, not everywhere, but certainly more prevalent, but the young people especially to make certain that like Joshua was told when he was crossing over the Jordan to make certain that they tell the young people day and night about me, me being God, mm -hmm. remind them of that. If we inculcate them early with that and it, it percolates the spirit that is in them, we talk about raising a child in the, in the nurture and admonition of the word. And when they grow old, they won't depart. Sometimes they may deviate, take a wrong course, but there's so much in there speaking to them about mm -hmm. we have the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It will get them um, pr proof positive. Mm -hmm. It will mm -hmm. bring them back on course. Does that make sense? Yeah. Amen. So I, I'm not definitively sure what it is, but for everyone, God has a purpose that you can count on. Yeah. That's good. I love what you said too, uh, JB, about building on your equity, because I think everyone that's in a career, everyone that's, you know, if you're a homemaker or whatever you're doing, you're creating equity, you know, through relationships, through the hard work that you're doing, the things that you're learning, the ways that you're contributing. And if you transition out of a paid position into, you know, retirement or whatever is after that, uh, we have an opportunity to use the equity that God's given us for a platform and for a purpose. And that's really en encouraging, you know. And pay comes in many different forms. I think the best teachers in the world are mothers or fathers who are homeschooling as well. And predominantly, we know we have a lot of moms in that profession who are teaching, who may think, well, is there a reward? You better believe it. Hey, Alain, uh, again, I would defer to you theologians in this regard, um, but the Bible does say, again, in the book of James, that many ought not be teachers because the judgment will be more strict mm -hmm. in that regard. So we better be about the business of teaching who our God is, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, to make certain that we're doing, because our reward will be great here and now as well as then and for eternity. Uh, uh, I did some work for um, AARP and the overwhelming percentage of folks who belong to that said when they were reaching retirement age, now they get to do what they really want to do because before they had to work to pay bills or whatever. Well, you know what? That really want to do phase ought to be well thought out, well prayed out to hear what the Lord is saying, and then you will be immensely pleased because you're giving and dispensing values. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That's good. That's great. Hey, JB, I don't know if you're on uh, Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or whatever, <laughs> besides turning on the TV and watching you and your broadcasting, how can people connect with you and what's going on in your life and your content? Uh, my website is uh, www.jb.com. Uh, 
James Brown. So it's really simple. Yeah. They're dealing, as we talked about at the <laughs> top of this podcast, I am the tech neophyte. Uh -huh. So my daughter, who is much more savvy than me, can certainly keep abreast of that, as well as my assistant. Uh, yes. Good. And I know I'm a JV sportscaster. A JB Sportscaster on uh, Instagram. Okay, mm -hmm. perfect. Hey, to close out our time, uh, before we let you go, I would love to ha pray for you. Um, Pastor Larry, since we got you in the studio, would you uh, would you finish this out by closing for uh, praying for JB? I would love to do that. Uh, Father, we come to you today, and we just, uh, we're delighted, Lord, uh, to spend uh, time with this brother. We thank you for the experiences that you've brought him through and the way that you've chosen to use him, the gifts that you've given him, uh, the things that you've allowed him to uh, do and experience. Lord, we, we pray for our listeners today as they hear this and are encouraged, and as we each go through our walks in life and our, our careers and, and the things that you've given us, Lord, we desire to use uh, your word and the experience of others, Lord, to guide us and to build us. I just want to pray for JB right now. I pray for him. I pray for Dorothy, his wife, and his family. Uh, Lord, would you bless them? And as he's just mentioned here, as he looks into the next few years, would you show him exactly what that is, and would you give him favor? Uh, we thank you for the favor that you've given him and the way that he's influenced uh, millions of people over his career. And we just pray that that would just continue to increase, Lord. You would use him in a mighty way. You would just bless bless him and his family. We pray this today in your name. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, JB, wow. thank you, you so much for sharing your uh, morning with us. We uh, This has been just tremendous. I pray that it has been. Uh, you guys get me really excited. Uh, I'll come to take a class from uh, all of you guys uh, <laughs> in synopsizing the answers better and having headlines, but I'm excited about doing all that I'm, I have been doing and prayerfully will continue to do uh, to the glory of the Lord. Praise God. Oh, JB, that's so good. All right, friends, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Faith at Work. Our conversations happen every other week, so in two weeks, you can expect another interview to help you think critically about faith and work intersecting in creative and inspiring ways because every job matters. Hey, we also wanted to take a moment to highlight another initiative that we are incorporating into our Faith at Work theme, vocational gatherings. These 90-minute events, you'll enjoy a good dinner, take in a specialized presentation regarding your specific vocation, and meet with other people from your church who have similar interests and experiences in your field. You can go to cccLife.org backslash faith at work and find a vocational gathering near you. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Email us your suggestions, questions, or ideas to workpodcast at cccLife.org. And lastly, tell your friends that their job matters too and invite them to join along in the conversation. We'll talk to you guys soon.